glad you're here. My name is Crispina French, and I'm your host of the Rags to Riches podcast. I'm an OG textile alchemist, worked my way through art school making ragamuffins from thrift store sweaters way back in the 1980s. That college side hustle grew into a full-fledged business, and here I am to show you that you can do that too. Together, we'll navigate hurdles, challenges, and accomplishments while crafting your profitable textile upcycling business to serve you and the planet. My guests and I will cover topics including material sourcing, business savvy, product development, sales and marketing, and self-care. Overcoming struggles, celebrating wins, and reaping rewards of running your very own textile upcycling business is what we are all about. Are you ready to be inspired, energized, and supported? This is the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. This episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast is brought to you by The Unruffled. The Unruffled is a vibrant and feminine collection of slow-made garments and accessories handmade with love by Sandra Primo. Sandra is based in Austin, Texas, and every item she makes is thoughtfully constructed from finely sourced, reused textiles, favoring silks and lace and crochet. Bespoke, one of one, encouraging an infinite circle of recovery. Step into the world of The Unruffled at www.theunruffled.com. And visit the show notes page for this episode at Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com for links and more information. Hey, so today I have a special guest with me, Claire Heron from Claire Bear. Um, you got to see this girl's line. It's just absolutely beautiful. She makes a line of lingerie using upcycled materials. And it's funny, we were just chatting before we started recording um, and Claire was uh, sharing. We were kind of commiserating about people's response, especially when it comes to intimate apparel, where you know, if they don't understand the the beauty of upcycling, sometimes it takes a little gentle education to kind of bring them in and make them realize that this is uh, something that's super awesome. So welcome to Rags to Riches podcast, Claire. I'm so glad to have you with me. Thank you for having me. Sure, sure. Um, can you tell our listeners just about like what you make and what it looks like and just give them a little kind of visual, uh, audible, visual, if you can <laughs> describe what you do. Yeah. So I have a sustainable lingerie brand called Claire Bear and I use uh, both upcycled vintage surplus and new sustainable materials. And my designs, I try to create things that are maybe a, a little more special occasion, but also wearable for every day. So I include a lot of fun details like lace up grommets and um yeah just interesting color combinations things that you might not typically imagine to be uh you know an eco-friendly color palette so i like to incorporate both neutral and neutral tones and pops of color and interesting details into my work it's really beautiful your presentation is really beautiful i really love your inclusive sizing i think that's just like a such an integral part of making uh forward uh thinking brand that you're you just kind of nail it all the way around girl thank you 
Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I think is really cool is like the, the look, I mean, you're using these vintage pieces and you're upcycling a lot of the material that you're using and it's got this vintage feel to it. You're the, the styles that you're making and the, the, the even the palette, like it's, it's like vintage with like a, a freshness. That's just um, kind of definitely worth checking out. So while we're talking about it, Claire Bear is spelled C L A R E bare.com so go look at it guys if you're out there in the listening um land of of um podcast listeners clairebear.com is where you'll see what we're talking about um and how how did you get started with the upcycling aspect of what you do like where did that come from in your history um well i guess i could go back to the first time i ever went to a thrift store i was probably about seven years old and I was in a summer theater play and I had to find a costume for um, a piano performance that I had, like a little solo thing in this play. And I went to this store called Village Thrift outside of Philadelphia where I grew up. And I it just like opened my eyes to this whole new world that I never knew existed. And I found this dress that was made out of it was handmade and I guess it was made out of an old curtain or upholstery fabric. And it was this like beautiful green gold textured fabric. And as soon as I saw that and I could tell that it was handmade and that someone actually created that, I guess I was inspired to do that myself, but I was still, you know, too young to use a sewing machine. Um, and then years later, that's just kind of what I started working with, just the materials that I had access to. Um, and I did a lot of sewing when I was in high school. We still had uh, home ec classes. I guess I learned that in middle school around like seventh grade. Um, and yeah, those formative years learning those kind of skills that I feel like maybe aren't as accessible now since I feel like those kind of classes are cut from public education, like left and right. Um, yeah, just like having that early inspiration and then the sewing skills and then my own personal interest in creating pieces uh, kind of led me into that direction. Um, and it wasn't really until the end of my college education at Parsons that I really um, had this moment of synthesis where my passion for sewing and printing and um, interest in lingerie kind of combined in this uh, printmaking class I was in. So I was using vintage fabrics as inspiration and silk screening, uh, you know, floral prints and things onto my own fabric. But I only had the limited size of, I think it was like a 20 by 30 screen to work with. So I had these small pieces of fabric and I didn't really know what to make with them. And I had a friend who was like, oh, you should make underwear and call it Claire Bear. And just this idea just kind of like came to life in that moment. So isn't that cool when that happens? Like yeah. you couldn't have planned it, right? Like you could not, it just would not have happened any other way. That's so cool. Yeah. Like there's so many different aspects to that. Um, you know, my name being kind of, perfect for I guess the brand and I always wonder what would happen if I had a different name you know like yeah. that alone just uh 
created this whole idea. Um, so yeah, years later, I'm still doing it. Um, but it just started as this like kind of uh, gimmicky idea that was yeah. clever enough to like be catchy and, you know, just kind of caught on over time. That is such a cool story. I love it. So from Parsons to this, you know, you're, you're pretty established. You've been doing this for a while and you have a really beautiful uh, web presence. And it's, it, you know, I just, I've learned a little bit about how you sell your work, but I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that. Like, so from there, like, was it a product Did you, were you thinking of it as like, Oh, okay, now I can sell this. Or was it more just like, Oh, this is really cool. I made this beautiful lingerie. And how did you get from there to like creating the business around it? Well, um, right out of school, I actually worked for a public art organization. So I worked as a muralist for this organization called Groundswell, which still exists today in Brooklyn. And I did that you know, for a living. And then in the meantime, I was kind of creating one-off pieces and I started an Etsy store. And that was in the early days of Etsy when not a lot of people even knew it existed. So there were only maybe five people making underwear at the time on Etsy. So it caught on pretty quickly that way. And um, yeah, I just was making pieces here and there. I'd um, upload maybe like five pieces at a time and then they'd sell out pretty quickly. And it was just like kind of just a fun project that I did on the side for extra income. I was always trying mm -hmm. to like do all sorts of creative things to survive at that time. So, um, yeah. And I worked for that organization for about five years. And during that time, I guess, you know, that was pre-social media. So it's interesting to think about that now since we rely so heavily on that for everything. Um, yeah, Etsy was the outlet. So that kind of um, grew over time. And then slowly, you know, as, as that took uh, over all of my time, I stopped working on those other projects. And then, um, yeah, it took about five years to really you know, be thought of as a business, I guess, for myself. Um, yeah. And then I just, uh, <laughs> let that take over and, uh, bartended on the side just to supplement that and to buy materials and all that. Um, so yeah, really it was just Etsy that got me started. That's so cool. And I, again, you know, Etsy is such a valuable tool in so many ways. Like, you know, sometimes I think it gets a little bit of a bad rap just because of whatever, like there's, al you know, there's always something wrong with every, you know, you can find the negative and anything, oh, yeah. but it, I, you know, if you look for the positive, there's, you know, I, I remember when I first started getting acquainted with Etsy, it was also very early on. And before that I'd been selling wholesale to stores and all of a sudden I had this vehicle to sell, for 3.5%. Like I would, you know, when you, when I was selling wholesale, whoever I was selling to was doubling the price that I was giving them. So if it was a hundred dollar item, they sold it for $200. And here mm -hmm. I could go on Etsy and sell it for 200 bucks and only have to pay them like, you know, $7 or whatever to, um, for their commission. And I just feel like it just opens so many doors for so many people just to just test the waters kind of, you know, sounds like that's kind of how you got started too, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. It really revolutionized like the craft movement and, uh, you know, it's evolved into this, uh, thing that's kind of bigger than that now. So, you know, I have like a love hate relationship with it. It's how I got my name out there, but now it's just kind of like anyone can sell anything on it. So it's not necessarily handmade, you know, because everything is technically handmade. (laughs) Right. Like what on the planet earth wasn't created by humans somewhere along the line. Right. Yeah. So it feels as if they've kind of abused that, you know, it used to be a little more precious. Um, but there's still so many incredible things that you can find on there by independent, uh, artists and designers. So you just have to look a little bit harder now, you know, the market's totally flooded, but it's also really awesome that so many people are doing, you know, following their passions and creating things now. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. So now fast forward from, so let me just back up a little bit. So you started out to 2006 ish and then sold on Etsy, kind of augmented that with other things that you were working with or on. Um, so then now you're kind of bi-coastal, right? You're like back and forth between like upstate New York and LA. And how are you selling now? I know that you have a couple wholesale accounts. How does that kind of fit in? And what's the kind of mix like when you're selling where it, and retail versus wholesale? How do you establish your accounts? Like, Oh, yeah. Well, it's been a pretty long journey. Um, yeah, starting in 2006, a lot of things have changed over that time. I first started doing trade shows around 2011, I believe. And that was kind of an interesting time, you know, it was a way to like get my name out there again. That was like the early days or, you know, pre Instagram. So those kind of outlets were necessary in order to get your name out. And I established some, you know, accounts and a name in the industry at that time. But um, it wasn't really until after, I guess, 2013 is when I launched my own website. So that was clairebear.com. And I started just generating more sales, you know, independently, just through customers discovering me that way than than I was making doing wholesale. So I kind of stopped focusing on the wholesale thing because, you know, it's really great to be in stores and to have that kind of representation and, you know, the ability for customers to discover you that way. But they do take 50%. So um, it's difficult for a really small brand to, you know, keep up with that. the cost yeah. of producing and then the cost of, you know, only making a small percentage of, of uh, income based off of that. So I'm a little more selective with that now and I don't push wholesale as much. Um, I do love working with independent, you know, customers. I do a lot of custom sizing. So those kind of pieces aren't available in stores. So I try to balance both. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to go. I I, um, I feel like the, I don't know if credibility is the right word, but when you're in a store that has like this beautiful presence in whatever city, I know you're in Azalea's in New York City, and it's just like this beautiful presentation, this boutique that's like, it's well respected. So you have this like additional layer of like, um, 
the credibility is the word that comes to mind, but I think, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, okay, well then if somebody sees you in that store, they're going to correlate you with that presence and that presentation. And I just feel like there's benefit to that, that even though you might not be making as much money on those orders, it kind of like gives you a level of uh, just place, I guess, that, that um, you know, otherwise might be hard to garner on your own without that kind of, um, you know, spotlighting and that kind of uh, setting. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's more benefit, I guess there's more benefit to being in a store than just the sale itself. I, I mean, it's, I get torn about that too. Cause it's like, well, yeah, there might be more benefit, but like, you know, you do need to make money and there is a bottom line that you do need to be concerned with. And, you know, if it's not working, then it's not working, but I feel like it usually there's a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. You feel like that? Yeah. 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 And azaleas in particular, like for me personally was, it was such a goal, you know, for me to get into that store because my first year, um, I guess maybe they opened around the time that I moved to New York City and they were right around the corner from where my first dorm was. So I'd uh-huh. walk down the street every day and look in the windows and it was definitely a source of early inspiration for me. Before I was even considering designing lingerie, it was just something that I was always interested in. So it really spoke to me. And the first time I had my pieces in that store, it was just like a milestone for me. So. Being in certain stores, you know, it feels like just uh, more of a personal achievement and something to brag about, you know? Yeah. But, well, yeah, um, it is. Yeah. The bulk of my income is comes directly from my own website. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And how cool that you do custom work too. So if there's, you know, sizing that is not within that retail environment of those boutique stores that you're able to accommodate that um, on your own directly uh, to with the customer that's um, looking for that. That's, that's awesome. And I feel like that is a, such a valuable thing that a lot of not just upcycling designers, but like small, like boutique, like kind of ateliers offer customers where, you know, yes, I can make that in whatever size you need, or, you know, in a color that might be special for that person for some reason, where, you know, any other kind of larger volume manufactured um, fashion brand of any kind is not going to be able to uh, provide that service. And it's, you know, it brings so much more value to, to the customer. So that's yeah. Cool. Yeah. It feels really good to be able to provide that for people, especially you know, most people, their like cup size versus their band size doesn't necessarily correlate with the standard, like small, medium, large, extra large. So, um, yeah. and that's an easy thing to adjust for me. So it feels good to be able to do that easily and, you know, free of charge for people. Cause, um, yeah, when you're mass producing, you can't really tweak things like that so easily. And, that's why it's so difficult to find certain sizes. I think also, Claire, like the thing that really like dra- like resonates with me about that is like just the human care. Like you care. You want this customer who might not be the traditional size to have the thing that makes them feel beautiful and, you know, luxurious. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to fit into some sort of a predisposed mold of sizing to have that accessible to you. And I feel like, you know, when people care about what they do and what they offer, there's something of value that's transmitted that I think is hard to actually measure, right? It's just like, you know, you're not, yeah, so that's cool. 
one customer that I really love making things for is a woman who's a paraplegic. And she requested that I make um, garter custom garters to hold up her stockings for like the where her legs and she has to wear special socks and she sits in a wheelchair. So she had me make um, like the adjustable sliders for the garters on the sides so that they're not pressing into her legs. And it was definitely a design challenge at first, but she's one of my repeat customers and it feels really good. You know, you make things all day and it's just, you know, sometimes you kind of lose touch with like why you're even doing what you're doing. And then you have a situation like that where you realize, you know, what you're doing actually is really making a difference in someone's life and making them feel really good and yeah, providing something that's like necessary, but also, you know, kind of sexy or fun for somebody in a situation where like, otherwise they might not be able to find anything that makes them feel that way. Right. That is just beautiful. What a great, what a great story. That's really nice to, I mean, what a feeling that must be for you to just know that you're, I mean, I can't, that's just, wow. That's awesome. How cool. Um, That's really cool. You guys, if you're just tuning in, I'm speaking with Claire Heron today and she has a company called Claire Bear, which you you can find at clairebear.com. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back to learn more about how you can um, access her product. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Today's episode of Rags to Riches podcast is brought to you by the Stitcherhood Recycling Society, my online membership community for creative textile upcycling, recycling, and reuse entrepreneurs. Inspiration, shared experience, tutorials, business savvy, and connection to a whole posse of people who understand the passion and intricacies of running an environmentally kind creative textile upcycling biz. Daily posts, weekly stitch hours, book recommendations, group chats, member profiles, and strong connections is what you can expect when you join Stitcherhood. Head on over to stitcherhood.crispina.eco and sign up for a free seven-day trial to see if my Stitcherhood Recycling Society is a good fit for you and your textile upcycling business. Hey, so we're back with Claire, Claire Heron from her brand, Claire Bear. And we were just talking about how she's able to provide um, special sizing and work with customers who might have trouble finding beautiful lingerie that's super fun, super sexy, super um, beautifully made and created from, you know, upcycled, dead stock, uh, vintage pieces um, whenever possible. So just a really great story about the what your customer that you're talking about that um, is dealing with being a paraplegic, but also has access to your beautiful line. That's just super meaningful. How cool. Never mind the fact that it's all upcycled. And that also for me is just like something that adds so much meaning because it's, it's just a thoughtful production model. So you've been doing this a while, right? And I just wonder, like, ha- is there a goal or, or something that you think, like, if you could imagine yourself, say, two years, maybe three years out, like, where do you imagine Claire Bear being? How would you how would you like to see your brand unfolding into the future? Yeah, it's been uh, such a long time that I've been doing this. And then, you know, specifically the past couple of years, um, during like the pandemic lockdowns and everything, it, my business blew up and I I think it was, um, 
mostly because people were stuck at home and trying to uh, make their home life feel a little bit more special. And I think lingerie kind of played into the self-care aspect of uh, people's lives during this time. Um, And it got to this point where I was so busy. It was like literally the only thing I was doing. It was just me and my assistant at the time, every day, just kind of churning pieces out. Um, And yeah, it was a couple of years of just nonstop production. And then in the past year, naturally, you know, as when things, when there's a boom, there's a bust. So there's been a little bit more time for me to actually think about the future. Because <laughs> you get so caught up in the moment, sometimes you just don't really like have the time or energy to even like think about what the next step is. Um, so yeah, this past year, I've been thinking about the future a lot, maybe for the first time in my life about to turn 40. So that's kind of a, you know, another milestone of my life. And I'm thinking about the next phase. And um, it's never been my goal to grow to the point where I can't manage production myself. I've kind of dabbled in working with factories and had some nightmare situations. Uh, That's a whole other story. But um, yeah, I think after going through that, I realized I want to keep things small and precious and maybe expand into other mediums. So right now um, I've been working on some stained glass pieces that are based on my lingerie pieces. So um, yeah, it's a couple pieces on hangers that you can hang in the window that are um, fabric wedged between pieces of glass. I'm doing a lot of experimentation right now. I'm trying to find um, I guess a new synthesis of, you know, where my artwork and my design work meet. Um, so yeah, personally, I'm trying to just experiment with, uh, my own creative projects. And then yeah. I would like to create so- a lot more one of a kind pieces again, cause I got into production mode and, you know, mass producing in my own way. Um, some of my own pieces, but I have so many incredible fabrics that are you know I can only make one thing out of it maybe and I got into doing multiples or small runs more just because it's easier to do that um you know shooting shooting one piece at a time is very costly so um yeah I think it's like I'd like to experiment more with like higher end one-of-a-kind pieces um while still providing, you know, my, my standard pieces I've been offering for years, but just kind of go a little bit more, you know, just elevate what I'm doing, take it to a new level. Yeah. I feel like I've had a place in my, in my creative journey, if you will, where I've also found myself in a place on, like, I want to kind of revert back to being fresh, right? Like just looking at something fresh and not like, yeah, I can, I can produce my product um, till the cows come home. Be like there's, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like it's, it almost becomes like the, I call it um, productive, uh, like mindless productivity. It's like, I love it. I love to be like in the zone and just like creating things. But sometimes I need to have something that needs like a little puzzling. I need to figure mm-hmm. something out. I need to like work through different 
kind of renditions of the of the idea that I have to come up with a fresh piece. And when you're busy and you're cranking out orders for, you know, orders are coming in, you got to fill those, the having that time to really just go, wait, hold on a second, I want to go put fabric between layers of glass, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have that. That's kind of a luxury. So to have the, you know, the, the time in your, in your days to kind of get back to that place where you're an artist, you know, you're, you're a, you're a maker, creator, artist who has found this balance of um, your kind of production work. It's, it sounds like a really, you know, nice place to be heading toward to have that opportunity to make those higher end, one of a kind, super special pieces, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. I think that's what we all want to do. You know, Um, I think a lot of creative people, actually, I know because I've been talking to a lot of people, um, we're all kind of going through this uh, almost like a creative renaissance type thing right now. I think the past few years changed everything for everybody, but specifically um, any creative person I know is trying to diversify and pivot and go in a new direction right now. So I think it could produce some really interesting work like collectively over the next few years. I think that we've all kind of had a moment where we questioned, you know, what we're doing, why we're doing it. And how we want to move forward from this time, you know, everything. Yeah. So it's only natural that I think we're all going to be moving in different directions now. So it'll be interesting to see. I love that. I think that's so true. And I think that, you know, as a, as a culture, as a, you know, the human race on planet earth, I mean, you know, I am kind of an eternal optimist, but I do feel like there's a big shift. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you've been doing what you do for like over 15 years and, you know, I've been doing it a very long time as well. And just to be able like to see that there's like this cultural acceptance of upcycling and, you know, you know, I, I, I did a collection of completely de- like mine were like very utilitarian cotton underpants. They were not sexy, oh, yeah. but they were like fun. And they were made out of um, recycled t-shirts, cotton t-shirts. And mm-hmm. um, I remember people just being kind of flabbergasted by that. Like, oh, recycled underpants? <laughs> like, oh, so I can only imagine like how you've had to provide that kind of gentle education, that kindness, kind of maybe a little humor thrown in because sometimes people just need that, right? Mm -hmm. Like to just get people to like stop thinking something that's not really true and like really see the whole system and understand that this is a cool thing. And I feel like the work that you and I have done over the the time of our businesses has, has paid, is beginning to pay off you know, it's beginning mm-hmm. to come around. So, uh, that feels, is, do you feel like that? Is it easier oh, for yeah. you now? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's funny because yeah, I was saying earlier, I used to think like, Oh, I don't know how people are going to receive this. Maybe I shouldn't, um, focus so much on where the fabrics come from and just let the fabrics, you know, the prints and things speak for themselves. But now I feel like it's so much more widely accepted and there's so many people upcycling clothing now and it's just, uh, you know, it's the more the merrier. I think it, we all just kind of, um, are working towards the same thing, just normalizing, using what we have, um, rather than 
purchasing new materials and those have their own flaws too you know there's microplastics and all these other things you know you have to consider you know toxic dyes chemicals in the fabrics um and with intimate garments they're so close to your skin and your body and you just have to think about what you're absorbing and well it's i think it's what you're what you're what i'm hearing is that you're really conscientious about what the fabrics that you use and how that impacts your sensibility and also the health of the planet and the people that you're selling to. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, the more people, uh, are upcycling clothing, just the more widely accepted it'll be. The, the thing that really resonates with me about what you just said is that, yeah, we are all working together and, you know, that's another huge difference that I see in the textile upcycling arena compared or versus the kind of typical fashion, um, you know, world, right. Where, you know, having sold in, you know, at the boutique shows and the clothing, uh, fashion shows in New York city over the years and uh, in other locations as well, like it was very competitive, very fickle. People were very like cagey and weird and like, didn't want you to see their stuff because, you know, they, they were too busy looking at your stuff so they could lo- like knock it off for next season or whatever. And I feel mm-hmm. like that doesn't really happen as much, or I haven't been privy to that happening as much in the textile upcycling arena when, you know, we are, there's like this larger th- reason, there's this larger um, kind of passion that we all share. And that is that, you know, we're on one planet and we're all one people. And even though, you know, we spend a lot of time fighting with each other, really the bottom line is that, you know, we all need to support each other and just kind of make the best of this beautiful place that we get to call home. And um, I feel like that's pretty clearly uh, witnessed in the textile upcycling arena. Would, would you agree? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's definitely more community than competition in uh, yeah. the textile upcycling world. And also I think just, uh, you know, the fact that we're just using what we have, everyone kind of ends up with a different result. So um, yeah, it's not this type of fashion isn't as a uh, trend based, you know, stylistically. I think the trend itself is upcycling, but the, the outcome is different for everyone. And I think the customer really appreciates having something totally unique that no one else is going to have. And um, yeah, it's just kind of like a win-win for everybody. Totally. Yeah, completely agree. I think that, and that, I, I don't know, I just feel like, you know, humans are so powerful. Like we have such a level of uh, impact on our environment in so many ways. And I feel like only like the tip of the iceberg has actually been discovered. And I feel like when, you know, people are feeling good about what they're wearing and when people are feeling kind toward each other, when people are kind of helping each other, there's this innate kind of goodness that comes across in so many ways that are, that are really not measurable, that that's kind of where we need to be as a people on a planet that's kind of like in distress, right? Like I feel like it's people who feel good are more able to do good. And I think that um, when we're, you know, able to provide that good feeling to our customers and when we're able to like look at our body of work and say, this is something that I created from what 
probably would have wound up in the in the um in the landfill it sort of makes us also feel that sense of like being a solutionary like i just feel like we're all solutionaries and you know each little thing that we do that contributes to kind of the general good and the healing of our environment has maybe more ripples than we understand mm-hmm. so. yeah and there's something about um working with vintage upcycled materials that i feel like connects us to people from the past and um and to each other just through the history of you know thinking about where the fabric came from what it was who wore it before you did and what was their life like i think that fabrics like like any antique object hold some kind of a special energy from the previous owner um and i find that kind of stuff fascinating totally i love that that's so cool so uh, claire this has been so super like just awesome to learn more about like your your sort of philosophy behind your business your learning more about how you got started has been really super cool. I wonder if um, you have found yourself over the, the course of, you know, running your business, doing things outside of like your business, like, are you do you pay attention to the, you know, how much you drive your car or what kind of food you eat or things that might not be necessarily directly correlating to like, textile upcycling, but also might have the same sort of end result as far as like nurturing yourself and being healthy and taking care of the planet? Oh, yeah, I definitely, when it comes to food, I definitely, especially now that I spend a lot of time in upstate New York, um, I tried to buy local, um, you know, from the local farms and food that, uh, you know, makes me feel good, like cooking my own food. I definitely feel like I absorb like the nutrients in a more in a potent way. Um, I think, yeah, just supporting local community is really important. Um, yeah. Community in general, I think is like more important than ever. So, uh, yeah, I try to support small sustainable businesses, you know, beyond fashion. I think about food, flowers, um, yeah, just anything that I buy, I try to buy either locally or um, pre-used. Like any clothing that I buy, I'll look for on like Poshmark or um, Depop or any kind of used vintage stuff like eBay. Um, yeah, most of the things that I consume, um, you know, I kind of apply the same personal code of ethics I do as I do when I shop for uh, materials in the world. So yeah, yeah, definitely has infiltrated like every aspect of my life. Me too. And it's kind of like, Oh my God, sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, I need a 12 step program. Like just let me throw this (laughs) thing away. (laughs) Like at the same time, it's like not happening. Like I just, I feel compelled to really be that, conscientious and it's you know it is it's i joke about it but it's um definitely uh i don't know i feel like it's a good thing in the long run right like it's just yeah. a productive way to be and every single thing that that we do we we teach by example right every single 
piece of the beautiful lingerie that you put out into the world is offering someone an opportunity to see recycled bed sheets or vintage fabrics differently than they might have um, seen them before. So um, mm-hmm. it's so awesome. Thank you so much for um, spending this time with me and just sharing your your magic and your, your story with me. I, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was really great talking to you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Hey, so I'm over here and I'm serving you a giant air hug because you just finished another episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Thank you for being with me. Our music is provided by The Lucky Five. Learn more about them at theluckyfive.com. Our show is produced and edited by Vandal Hyacin. If you want to dive in deep, head over to Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com. 